0: said the doctor to his patient. You are in terrible, terrible shape. And unless something is quickly done, you're going to die. You're under way too much stress. You're not eating right. You need to tell your wife that she needs to start cooking nutritious meals and help um, reduce stress, have her to keep the kids off your back so that you can relax. And then make a budget and tell her that she has to stick to it. And if she'll do this, you will recover completely. Otherwise, you'll be dead in about a month. That's how much stress you're under. Well, obviously, the man was just shaken. And the patient said to the doc, Doc, I'm just too shaken for this. Would you call my wife um, before I get home and give her those instructions? Well... When he got home, his wife rushed to the door, and she sounded kind of like our nursery tuning up this morning back there. I mean, she was crying. She was beside herself and all of that. and, And she said, I just talked to the doctor. And she was just crying. And she said, honey, you only have 30 days to live. It'll hit you in a minute, hopefully. Well, happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. Everyone knows, because I've said it before, Father's Day is just like Mother's Day. You just don't expend as much on the present. And maybe that's because that, that we're not as sentimental about Father's Day, um, because after all, fathers are not as sensitive to the needs of children, or they uh, or alert to sentiment um, as mothers are. Maybe that's one reason that we don't look at Father's Day quite as big as as Mother's Day. You've heard of the mother who left the room in the maternity ward to go down to the nursery, and there she found her husband just, just, just staring at the newborn baby. And the mother could tell that by the baby... Um, by how intently he stood there just looking down at the baby. Well, she was so touched that finally she just walked up behind him and she slipped her arm through his and said, Honey, what are you thinking? And he said, I just can't understand how they're able to make a crib like that for (laughs) $89.95. men don't always say what women really want to hear. Sometimes men are a little bit difficult to understand. So ladies, this one is for you. Please allow me to translate, just for future benefits, for you. If, When a man says, it would just take too long to explain, what he really means is, I have no idea how it works. If a man says... That's interesting, dear. He means, are you still talking? If he says, it's a guy thing, he means there is no rational thought pattern connected with this and you have no chance whatsoever of making it logical. If he says, can I help you with dinner? What he really means is, why is it ready yet? If he says, oh, don't fuss, I just cut myself, it's no big deal. What he really means is, I've probably just severed a limb, but I will bleed to death before I admit that I'm hurt. Get over here and help me. (laughs) If he says, you look terrific, what he really means is, please don't try on another outfit, we're already late and I'm starving. If he says... That's not what I meant. What he really means is if something I said can be interpreted two ways and one of those ways makes you sad or angry, I meant the other one. If he says, I'm not lost, I know exactly where we are. He means no one will ever see us alive again. If he says, I can't find it, what he really means is it didn't fall into my outstretched hand and I'm completely clueless. If the man says, "Uh uh-huh, sure, honey, or yes, dear, what he really means is absolutely nothing. That's a conditioned response. Okay. Now that we've had fun at Father's expense, let's get a little more serious before it gets out of hand here. Well, it is Father's Day, and the very first national celebration of this day was on June 19th, 1924, by proclamation of President Calvin Coolidge. But it all came about um, because of the effort of a lady named Sonora Dodd. You see, Sonora was sitting in church in 1909. That's a little bit before Purnell's time. Sitting in church in 1909, and listening to a Mother's Day sermon, when the idea of Father's Day came to mind. Well, having been raised by her father, because her mother had died, Sonora wanted her father to know that how special that he was to her, and all the sacrifices that he made, and for being, in her eyes, the most courageous and selfless and, and loving person that anyone could ever meet. And so it was that through her efforts... President Coolidge designed the third Sunday of June as Father's Day, and our nation has been celebrating it ever since. And so, Father's Day really gives us a chance to honor those who stand at the helm and lead their family through life's difficulties. And it seems like more and more we're having more and more difficulties here. So the Father's role is getting to even be greater and greater and greater as time moves on. It was James Dobson in his book, Dare to Discipline. You probably, Maybe some of you read that. I know we had to read it while we were in school. But Dare to Discipline, it suggests three specific things for a father to keep in mind. And he says this, the earliest years, in other words, the time that was spent with mom, years bring change, and, and fathers often become the examples of attitude and action um, that a child follows, and especially... In the areas of God or church or spiritual things. You see, fathers are followed. And that's something that we can't just turn over to mothers to handle. That's a responsibility that fathers have. Then he goes on and he says the second thing that he suggests is that the best thing that a father can do for his children is to love their mother. And he gets this out of Ephesians, the fifth chapter, where Paul tells the Ephesian husbands and us too, to love their wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for And then he goes on and he says, the third thing, a Christian father will arrange to spend time with his children. And then James Dobson goes on to say that that good fathers um, are made they're not born. But to be a good father, we really need a, a model. We need an example of a father that we can pattern our lives after. So we have to come up with a question then, where do we find such a father? You know, where do we look? Is there such a thing as a perfect father? Well, I'd like to answer that. Not on this side of heaven there's not, but there is in heaven. So let's see what we can learn about being a father By looking at God, the perfect Father. So fathers, this is for you. This message is not very long. It's pretty simple. But good, good instruction from God our Father. First of all, God loves his children. God loves his children. I know John tells us we love because he first loved us. And then Paul tells us in Romans in chapter 5 and verse 8 that God demonstrated his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Folks, he loved us, and he loved us first. You see, he did not wait for us to meet his expectations. He did not wait for us to make him proud. He did not wait until we measured up to his standard. He loved us first. He loved us completely. He loved us constantly, and he loves us unconditionally. Now, certainly, it may anger him when we disobey, and it may sadden him when we stray, but he never, ever stops loving us. Paul says in Romans, the 8th chapter, in verse 38, he says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Folks, that is a perfect example of love that we should have for our children, right there. The Lord laid it out for us, fathers. We should love our children just like that. Our children just like that. Zerma Bombet, she wrote something that was kind of interesting, and she wrote this. She said, when the Lord was creating fathers, he started with a tall frame. And an angel standing nearby said, what kind of father is that? If you're going to make children so close to the ground, why have you put fathers so high up? He said, uh, or she She went on to say, he won't be able to, to shoot marbles without kneeling. He won't be able to um, tuck a child into bed without bending. He won't be able to... Kiss the child good night without stooping. And God smiles and says, Yes, but if I make him a child size, who would the children have to look up to? She goes on and says this, And when God made the father's hands, they were large. And the angel shook his head and said, I don't think you want to make his hands like that. Large hands are clumsy. They can't manage diaper pins or small buttons or a rubber band and a ponytail, or even remove splinters caused by baseball bats. And God smiled again and he said, I know, but they're large enough to hold everything a small boy empties out of his pockets at the end of the day. Yet they're small enough to cup a child's face in his hands. Then God molded long, slim legs and broad shoulders And the angel nearly had a heart attack. Boy, this has got to be the end of the week, all right. He said, how is he going to pull a child close to him without the child falling between those long legs? God smiled and said, a mother needs a lap, but a father needs strong shoulders to pull a sled, to balance a boy on a bicycle, or to hold a sleepy head on the way home from the circus. God was in the middle of creating two of the largest feet anyone had ever seen when the angel could not contain himself any longer and said that's not fair he said do you honestly think that those large boats going to get out of bed early in the morning when the baby cries or walk through a small birthday party without crushing at least three of the guests God smiled again and he said they'll work you'll see They'll scare off mice at a summer cabin or leave footprints that will be a challenge to follow. God worked through the night giving the father few words but a firm voice and eyes that saw everything. And finally, almost as an afterthought, he added tears. Then he turned to the angel and said, Are you satisfied that he can love as much as a mother? And the angel was silent. Folks, the point is this. God does love his children, and so should we. He is our example. The second thing we can learn from God, the perfect father, is God encourages his children. God encourages his children. A psychologist tells about going to school as a little boy and failing a math test. So the teacher wrote a note and sent it home with him and it said this, your son just can't handle math. Well, his dad sat him down and told him, son, I guess you don't have an aptitude for math. So from then on, he flunked every test in math. He said, I never could do anything in math. Then one day the teacher, she put a problem, a math problem on the board and she asked the class to solve it but nobody could figure out the answer. He says, I looked at the problem and suddenly realized that I knew the answer. So I held up my hand and of course everyone laughed because they knew that I couldn't solve it. But I walked up to the blackboard, I worked the problem and I came up with the right answer. Then I realized that it wasn't my lack of aptitude, it was just that everybody had told me I couldn't do math and I believed so I didn't even try. Folks, God encouraged Moses at the burning bush when he told him to deliver the nation of Israel. He encouraged him. And he encouraged Joshua as as Joshua set out to conquer the promised land. And he encouraged them with his words, with his presence, and with his assistance. Fathers, you hear that? He encouraged his children with his words, his presence, and his assistance. First chapter of Joshua in verse 9 says, I have, not, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You see, God saw the things that his children could do, and he encouraged them to go out and do them. He was encouraging. Sadly, today, many parents, they're more prone to send messages laced with criticism than with encouragement. Folks, it is important that we watch our words. I know the Apostle Paul, he tells us in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, he says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But only what is helpful for the building up, for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And then thirdly this morning, God disciplines his children. There's a story about triplets, three young boys who got along really well. They saw everything alike. They had the same likes, the same dislikes, and they were loyal to each other. These triplets, they just stuck together. I mean, everything. They, were, they had each other's back. If one of them got into trouble, they would not tattle on the other. So one day a neighbor asked the father, says, how in the world do you know which one to punish if there's trouble? And the father said, well, that's easy. He says, I just send them all three to bed without supper, and the next morning I spank the one with the black eye. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, hear this. God is good. He is a loving Father, yet He disciplines His children. Fathers, we can be good, and we can be a loving Father, but one of the things we need, need to do is discipline our children. If you want to see what undisciplined children look like, look at the TV. Look at these riots and all this junk going on. Undisciplined children. Please understand, he does not discipline in spite of his goodness. He disciplines because of his goodness. He does not um, discipline in spite of his love, but he disciplines because of his love. I know Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter, and verse five it says, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. And then in Proverbs, the third chapter, and verse 12, the Lord disciplines those who he loves, as a father, the son he delights in. So, with those verses, we can see that the father who disciplines his children wisely is really reflecting the very character of God. Folks, discipline is not an ugly word. It's something that we all need. We need that to shape our lives and form our lives. And if we love our children, we will discipline them. Hebrews 12, chapter, verse 10 and 11. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And then fourthly, this morning, let's look at our responsibilities. Fathers, it is our responsibility to bring up our children in the training and the instruction of the Lord. And in doing that, we should take advantage of every opportunity we get someone to help us do that. We should be very concerned about having our kids in church and in Sunday school and in youth meetings where they're being trained by folks who have prepared to do that. That don't shirk you of your responsibility, of course, but we need to take advantage of those things. It is our responsibility to bring those kids up in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. And that teaching should start at a very young age. Sometime I'd like for you to read, and we won't take time to read it now in this morning's message, but Psalms, the 78th chapter. I think I listed just a reference there for you to do that. Read that chapter sometime. Also read Deuteronomy 6. And and there's so many passages in the Bible, so many other ones that tell us the same as these do. Teach our children as they sit, you know, as we sit down, as we stand up, as we walk along, as we lie down. And then pass on from one generation to the next generation the instructions of God. Folks, we're charged with that. Men, we are charged with that as leaders in our home, you see. Now we have a choice to make. We can do that in the right way or we can do that in the wrong way. You see, we can create misconceptions about God in the home. And that's easily done if we're not careful. So to close this message out, I want to share with you a modern-day parable. Just think about this. This parable is is told about three fathers who each felt the soft hand of his child in his own hand, and they realized the responsibility of teaching his child About God. Each of them recognized that responsibility and they wanted to do that. One felt the awesome responsibility that was his, so he taught the child about the power and the might of God. And as they walked down the pathway of life and they came to tall trees in the forest, he pointed to those tall trees and he said, God made them tall trees, those big, humongous trees, and God can cause them to come crashing down anytime He wants to. And he, as they walked out into the hot sun, he said, "That's God's sun, and He made it, and He can cause it to be so hot and so intense that the plants in the field will wither and die." Again and again, he hammered home the power of God, and, and you know, and, and how the child must be obedient to God. Then one day they came face to face with God and the child hid behind his father, afraid to even look, refusing to put his hand in the hands of God. The second father, he also realized his responsibility to teach his child about God. And hurriedly, he tried to teach all the important lessons that he knew. As they walked about the trees, they would stop only for a moment and just gaze at. As they looked at the flowers of the field, they would hurry on by. And he told stories, but they were hurried and they were just kind of crammed together. He filled that child full of of facts, but never taught that child how to live or love God. And finally, one day they met God at twilight. They came face to face with God, but that child only gave God a casual glance and then turned away. The third father he felt that touch of hand and that little hand in his and he adjusted his steps to the tiny steps of that child and they walked along stopping to look at all of God's beauty and the grandeur they walked into a field and and they picked flowers they felt the delicate petals and they smelled their fragrance They watched a bird in flight and another bird building a nest and laying her eggs and sitting on them until they hatched. They watched all the beauties of nature while the father told his child about stories of God over and over and over again. And finally, one day at twilight, they saw the face of God. And without hesitation, the child placed his hands trustingly into the hands of his heavenly father. There's ways to go about it, folks. But we have an awesome responsibility. Let's pray. Father, help us to pattern our life after the perfect Father. And Father, we ask that you help us fathers to see the importance of teaching our children well. Father, we see how you did it. You're the perfect Father. You're the example. Help us to follow in your footsteps. In Jesus' name.